That was that was good. That was I good hear that nonstop. He starts at like four thirty in the morning and then he goes till dusk. Basically, it's like having another baby. Yeah, I'm like, dude, shut up. It's two in the afternoon. We all know. Well, hey everybody, and welcome to the debrief, a weekly Q and A show from your hand, your your friends here your at Sense. Yeah, your from hands. your hands. <laughs> Somebody has too many chickens. I in do. Yard. From your friends here at Sandals Church, I am your friendly co-host PRD, sitting across the table from your other co-host Stephanie Shaper. What's up, guys? And we are here with Pastor Matt Brown, the PMB, at the head of the table. Yes, looking good, feeling good. Yeah, yeah. Your beard's in a different spot than it is normally. Yeah, I got a new razor. So what happened was my razor broke. And so I, w- I had to go to Costco, which I got to be honest. So you, now you have a thousand endeavor. razors? We went to Costco to buy a razor, a shaver, mm-hmm. and it was like 30 bucks, and mm-hmm. we spent $400. That's why we just don't go to Costco. That store, literally, I, I think there's like subliminal messages like that they play, and it's like, mm-hmm. buy it. Buy you need it. this. You oh, need my wife and I were buying this. all kinds of things. We bought a knife. Oh. A Cutco knife. Oh, wow. Yes. Ridiculous. They've got good stuff at Costco. That's they do. The thing. They do. Everybody yeah. was so nice and so friendly. Yeah. I follow a whole Instagram account on things that you can find at Costco. Really? Yeah. DM yeah. that to me because I want to okay. know. Costco yeah, does I, it again. I, I, okay. Yeah. Because I, I ran into like a thousand people from Sandals. Oh, oh. I'm sure. So that, that that's why I actually blame it on our people because we kept getting stopped and paused, which allowed my wife time to continue to, to shop. Yeah. Oh. So. Oh yeah. Well, then well, you see you, what they have. Yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. listeners, you might want to pop on over to YouTube today to get a fresh look at Pastor Matt's face. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Here you go. Right now, it's a nice close up. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, producer Take it Kelly. In. All right. Well, here on the show, we are sponsored this week by Gateway Seminary. <laughs> they are a great seminary that is uh, based here in Ontario. They've also got campuses all over the country. So if you want to check them out, head to gs.edu. Yeah, I love it. I do too. They're great folks over there. Thank you for the sponsorship. And here's, uh, we've got some major, major uh, breaking news for you friends here at the show, the Debrief Podcast. Huge news. This is going to be, what is it? The last show of the year? Yeah. yeah. I'm taking some time off of the debrief okay. next couple so weeks. So Pastor Matt's taking some time off. This is the last show of 2019. We want you guys. 2018. You're right. This is the last show of 2018. Uh, here's my advice to you. Just really soak this one in. Savor it. Mm-hmm. Enjoy each question. Because you don't know what you've got till it's gone. Yeah, mm-hmm. enjoy each answer. If you got a special podcast app, maybe slow us down. Instead of speeding us up, set us to half speed. Yeah. Didn't you used to listen to us like double time? I listen to every podcast at 1.8 speed. Now, one thing that's really fun mm-hmm. is if you listen to the debrief at half speed, we sound super high or drunk. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, children in the car. You shouldn't do that stuff. Your mom and dad won't like right. it. Uh, but it's a fun little trick for you guys to try. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a real treat. A yeah. holiday treat. But we will be back in action at the beginning of next year. We look forward to seeing you guys then. When I hear you talk, I hear it at half speed anyways. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, no, I speed up all my podcasts because the average human speaks at 300 words a minute. And right. your brain can process about 500 words a minute. Yeah. That's why your mind wanders all the yeah. time. I, I do that with books. Exactly. Yeah. Books, TV I, can't, shows, I cannot listen to books every time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, let's dive into the show with a couple of follow-up questions from the last few weeks. I love that follow-up. That's right. So we'll start with Karen, who says, how do I deal with the insecurities and fear I have in regards to my father's recent diagnosis of terminal cancer? I'm trying my best to have faith in God, but I'm really struggling and at times feel hopeless. Well, I mean, I think all of your your feelings are normal and natural. So we in our culture, <clears throat> we live under the illusion that nobody dies. 
So we're all shocked by death. So death is something that is, you know, our family members are immediately taken away. You know, we don't see them again until, you know, however long until the funeral is. And so, um, you know, my mom, um, I don't know if she'll put these pictures up back up in her new house, but her old house, you know, we, we have pictures of family members, you know, at their funerals. So, mm-hmm. you know, back in the day when, when somebody died, the family cleaned them, the, ba- the family washed them, the family prepared them for burial. That was the natural normative way that you dealt with family members. And so you were more accustomed to the fact that people die. Mm-hmm. And I think nowadays it's always shocking. But the reality is we need to live every day understanding that it could be our last. And so we need to think about that. So I think what was the emotions that she said she was struggling with? Uh, feeling hopeless and just having a lot of insecurity and fear. Yeah, and I think those things are natural. And so hopelessness, insecurity, and fear, I would encourage you to talk about those things, maybe go see a counselor, talk, you know, come in for soul care here at Sandals Church, uh, talk to your community group. I think those feelings are normal and you need to work through those. And here's the, here's the beauty of cancer. Cancer, unlike a heart attack, a car accident, or some other tragedy, you have time to talk with your loved one about how you feel and you need to say everything that you get to say. So when there's tragedy and it's instantaneous, oftentimes we find ourselves grieving not only the loss, but the lack of what we wanted to say. Mm -hmm. So I would go to, it's her dad, right? Mm -hmm. I would go to your dad and just say, I love you. You know, here's how I'm feeling. I care for you. Um, and, and, And I think that in and of itself is so important. And then we need to have the spiritual, you know, talk. So, you know, are you ready to see God? And I, I always bring that up. Most relatives never do. Um, are, are you ready to stand before God and have your life judged? Most people do not live in a way where they are ready. And so I would encourage you to spend the last uh, weeks, months of life thinking about eternity. That's a great, great time to do that. I would encourage you all to do that before you get in that place, because none of us know whether or not we're going to know how quickly our, our time is approaching. So, but I would say is this is an opportunity for your faith to become very real. So when you lose a loved one, heaven becomes personal. And so what, what I mean by that is you have someone that you love, you care about that's there. And um, I think that's a powerful, powerful thing just to remind us that, look, the afterlife is real. I know where I'm going. I, I know where my soul is and that's okay. And I can trust in that. And I would just say, bring your fear, bring your anxiety, um, bring all of that to the Lord. And here's the thing. Let's say your dad miraculously is uh, healed of cancer. It's temporary. At some point, the way of life is children bury their parents. That's the way of life. And, um, you know, I never tell my kids, I'll always be here for you because I'm not going to be always there for them, but God will be. And my responsibility as a parent is to prepare my children for the inevitable passing of myself. I, you know, I want to be here to love them and guide them as long as I can, but ultimately, you know, God's word guides them, God's Holy Spirit guides them, God's truth guides them. And I have to, you know, place themselves in the hands of their eternal father, which is not me. And so a lot of kids have not been prepared for that. And so death is, you know, all the more painful, Uh, but it is hard. You know, it's a reminder of our own impending death. And so what I would just say is, is even, you know, pray for a miracle, but even if he gets a miracle, like King Hezekiah uh, in the Bible is uh, terminally ill. And the Lord says, you're going to die, but God grants him. And I love the way that the Bible communicates it an additional 15 years, mm-hmm. additional 15 years. And so that that's all a miracle is. A miracle is not a forever miracle. It's simply an addition to your life. It's saying you get a little more time, you get a little more time because, you know, if we don't die young, we're going to die old. And um, that's just the reality. No, no matter, you know, think about, you know, George Bush passing this week. We look at his life story, an incredible life story, shot down over the uh, the South Pacific in World War II, 
you know, swam to a submarine, right? Just this, this incredibly brave man who at the end of his life couldn't even get out of a wheelchair, couldn't talk, couldn't speak. Um, you know, in the end, death gets us all because it is the consequence of sin. And so that's why ultimately we have to deal with our sin. And the only one who can deal with that is Christ. And that's why he promised eternal life. And that is the blessing of Christ. And so I just would encourage you to grow in your faith and root yourself in the truth of who God is and really begin to look at the scriptures where Jesus talks about death. Right now I'm in the book of John. Uh, today was I was in John 7, 8, 9, uh, and 10. Um, and, and I praise God for that because chapter 10 is Hanukkah. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of Christians and Jews don't know that Hanukkah is not mentioned in the Jewish Bible. It is only mentioned in the Christian Bible. And, um, but Hanukkah is, is just all about Jesus talking about eternal life, talking about who he is, you know, and that, I mean, John 10 is that great passage before Abraham was, I am right. Um, and, and, and the Jews just getting so upset with him. John nine is, you know, bringing sight to the blind. You know, John eight is the, uh, healing of the, uh, or the, the, the not condemning of the woman caught in the act of adultery. It's just it's powerful, powerful chapters. And so we need to turn to that. Um, and then ultimately John 11, right? It's Lazarus. Mm. I mean, Jesus has power over even death. And so that's why we have to come to Jesus because uh, science may extend our lives, but they cannot bring eternal life. Only Jesus can. And so we need to turn to him and, um, and comfort one another during these times. So I'll be praying for you. I'm so sorry. Cancer's terrible. It's awful. Um, you know, my prayer for you is first of all, that God would do a miracle. But if that's not the case, my prayer is that your father's passing is peaceful um, because cancer cannot be peaceful mm -hmm. in the way that it passes. And so um, I, I pray that it is, and I pray that he's not in any kind of extraordinary suffering. Uh, and that's my prayer for you because it's hard to watch loved ones die. It's even harder to watch them suffer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, <clears throat> uh, You know, my dad was recently diagnosed with congestive heart failure. So Karen, I would just want to say, I totally empathize with you. But also, <clears throat> when you're having these fears, uh, I've just made sure th this this since this diagnosis came through in our family, my relationship with my dad, who, which was already really really great, has become so much sweeter because I tell him when I'm feeling afraid, when I'm feeling scared, and why, and uh, we just emote together. I think it's very encouraging for my dad to hear those things mm -hmm. from somebody who he spent well, 36 years of his life pouring into. Uh, that, I mean, just Saturday morning, I was driving the kids to Chick-fil-A for breakfast and was overwhelmed with emotion when I heard a song. I, I wrote a poem in the drive-thru, and then I stopped by and I read it to my dad, and uh. we, we we wept together in the uh, kitchen. And I don't know how long my dad's going to live or how much longer. The only thing we know is, right, the empty light has come on the tank. Yeah. Uh, so having those conversations and being really open with my feelings has been great. It sounds to me like you love your dad, mm -hmm. so I think you should— when you have those moments, yeah. don't just try and hide them even to protect him. Yeah. Go there. So that's- yeah, Absolutely. And not every family is as good as talking as Justin's family is. Um, you know, I think you and your dad have a very authentic relationship and a very real relationship. And some families don't talk about anything. And so emotions are very difficult. And so, yeah. you know, take into account where your family is relationally right. and try to approach it from from what you know to be true about your family. But I would encourage you to listen to what Justin is saying and have as deep of a conversation as your dad will allow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. yeah. And I, you know what you're saying? You guys know it was when we did the very first debrief live. So almost two years ago mm -hmm. was when I got that crazy news. I had to rush there for the hospital because my dad was having yeah. that brain trauma thing. You know, that's when we started. And over the last two years, our conversations have become progressively more real yeah. and authentic and meaningful. So uh, there, there is a potential upside to 
this uh, situation, Karen, if, yeah. if it's possible for you to go there. Okay, our next question from Diane. She said, in your sermon a few weeks ago, you made the assumption that everyone has had someone that encouraged them that they should be thankful for. I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one who had no one that did that for them. How should I be thankful for that? Uh, I would start with me. Mm. I'm in your life. You listen to my sermon. So, I mean, right. So the first thing that we have to start with is the, the lies we tell ourselves. So the lie you're telling yourself is you have no one to be thankful for in your life. You have me. And, and that's not that's not arrogance. That's just information. You, you have a pastor that loves you and cares for you and wants the very best for you and is trying to teach you how to be godly. And to be godly, we have to be grateful. And so I, I think you're right. What you're saying is right is some people like yourself have not had uh, hardly any buddy in their life to be thankful for, but God in his mercy has led you to Sandals Church. I know that there are people here that will love you, that will care for you. Mm -hmm. I know that I don't even know you, but my heart already goes out to you. My heart breaks for you. And um, so that's what I would start with. I would start by thanking God that I have a pastor who doesn't even know me and yet loves me and cares for me and wants the best for me. And um, so I would start there. There's always something to be grateful for, and there's always someone to be grateful for. The problem is, is we pay attention to the people who have hurt us rather than the people who have blessed us. Mm. So I just tweeted myself. <laughs> and, and that's what you have to start doing. Start paying attention to the people that bless you rather than the people that hurt you. And we give way more attention to our wounds than we do to our miracles. And, and that's the thing is, is we, you know, again, this week, I think I listed four verses, four separate verses, one in Colossians, Ephesians, Hebrews. I'm, I can't remember the other occasion where it simply said, give thanks, mm -hmm. always give thanks. Um, I haven't talked about, you know, the apostle Paul writing from prison, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. I mean, uh, it is not difficult, Paul says, for me to say that to you again, because I love that Hebrews passage. Since we have received an unshakable kingdom, let us give thanks to God with holy fear and awe. Mm -hmm. And if we can live that way, we're going to live a happier, more joyful life because God is good. It doesn't mean life is good. It doesn't mean people are good. It means God is good. And so um, if, if you're not in a place where you can give thanks for me and you're like, I'm never listening again because I'm insulted, then give thanks for God. And I apologize <laughs> for my inability to answer your question the way that it needs to be answered. But here's the truth. You go to a great church and... Um, you know, uh, some of us aren't even aware. You know, we had a staff, uh, what did we have last night? Christmas party? Staff Christmas party. And um, I was telling Tammy, I said, you know, I, I love the growth of our church, but one of the heartaches of the church is I don't get to meet all the amazing people mm -hmm. because there are so many incredible people that I haven't had the chance to meet or personally know. And, um, and so that's what I would say to you is there are people out there that you are going to give thanks for if you can quit focusing on all the people that have hurt you and you can start changing your life and moving towards those good people and those good relationships. And man, I know that it's it's uh, easy to be overwhelmed and to be wounded. And um, especially when I was at Pardee's age here, I really, really struggled with being overwhelmed with hurt. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I was in your age, I was just I was just in a bad place. And, uh, and I've been hurt by a lot of people. And it's interesting, yesterday on the way to... Uh, um, Christmas party, I got a, a, a text from a number that I didn't recognize. And it was a person who really, really wounded me maybe five, six years ago, maybe more, I'm not sure. Um, but it was so interesting as Tammy and I were last night, you know, getting ready to go to bed and pray, reflecting on that doesn't hurt anymore. And I'm actually thankful to God for that experience. That was bizarre. Mm -hmm. It was bizarre. Like 
where I was in a place, maybe it was seven or eight years ago, where I literally was questioning God. God, why are you allowing this to happen? And here I am eight years later, thanking God for that experience and going, oh, mm. oh, you know, and, um, you know, Tammy and I were talking, she listened to a podcast by Craig Grishel, um, and he was interviewing Lisa Turkers, and Craig said, the level of your leadership is dependent upon the amount of pain you can endure. And I was just like, Whoa. So, um, but that pain ultimately allowed me to be the pastor that I needed to be. It, it, it was the straw that broke the camel's back and, and my back needed to be broken so that I could serve the Lord. Uh, because as an unhealthy three, my uh, concern for people's opinions was greater than my concern for the direction of God. And that was a problem. Mm. And so uh, <clears throat> you just can't be a leader for God if you want to be led by the opinions of others. You cannot do it. And so I had to just really, really wrestle with that. And for every unhealthy three out there like myself, um, that was a big problem for me. So yeah. that's what I would encourage you to do is thank God you're here. That means God is not done with you yet. That means God has a plan for you. And God has some friendships and some relationships that he wants to bring you into. And, um, you know, last night we were uh, we were hanging out with some, actually our whole small group uh, right before um, the Christmas party. And one of my, my good friends is going through just maybe the most painful experience you can go through. And I grabbed his face and I made him look at me because he didn't want to look at me because he was just, he was angry. He was teary. He was almost, he's one of the strongest people I know, but he's ready to give up. And I grabbed his cheeks and I said, look at my face. I said, I am with you in this to the very end. Mm. And he, you know, that didn't phase him at all. So I said, I'm going to say it again. I am with you to the very end. I am grateful for you and we will get through this together. And, um, you know, yeah. so, you know, he, right. So I, I'm grateful for that. And I've been through painful experiences, nothing like what he's going through right now, but um, I have good people in my life. And I'm just telling you, our church is full of those people. They're yeah. full of idiots too. So <laughs> yeah. you've got to, you've got to start making good choices just because somebody goes to sandals and some, because somebody says they love Jesus doesn't mean they're a good person. Um, and just because, you know, somebody's a good person doesn't mean they're always wise. Yeah. And so, you know, good people can make bad decisions. Yeah. So you've got to go ahead. Sorry. Like it takes courage and vulnerability to let people close enough to you to encourage you. Mm-hmm. Like I wonder too, like how much over the years that she's felt like no one encourages me, no one cares for me. She's you've sort of kept people at an, at arm's length. Yeah. And then that's hard to let people actually in to encourage you and let them actually see good things about you and be safe enough to tell you the good things that they see. So I just encourage you too to step into some relationships, see where you can get involved and allow people to get close enough to encourage you to be those people like you're saying where they can grab your face and tell you they're with you. Yeah. You know, but I think that probably took a lot of vulnerability on his part to even mm-hmm. let you that close. You know? Yeah. What I would say is, you know, ask this question, how has sin affected me relationally? So I think the natural tendency is to assume how God has uh, allowed sin through others to affect me relationally. Mm-hmm. But what I would look at is how has sin affected me relationally? What do I do in relationships that maybe repel people or hurt people or don't allow people in? Um, what is it that I'm doing? And, you know, cause ultimately you can't change people, mm-hmm. but the Holy Spirit wants to change you. And that was the verse we talked about this week. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by the way you live. And um, I've never heard any pastor, and that doesn't mean that it hasn't happened, but I've never heard any pastor talk about feelings grieving the Holy Spirit of God. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I eliminated the verse that talks about actions and we went straight to bitterness mm-hmm. because bitterness is not an action, it's a feeling. And I thought that was interesting. Therefore, get rid of all bitterness, rage, malice, slander, 
um, I forget the other negative ad- adjectives that were in that list, but get rid of those things. Instead, forgive one another as Christ has, as Jesus has forgiven you, right? So um, that's a difficult choice. And, and what I would say is a big barrier to experiencing people in your life that you're gonna be thankful for is forgiving the people that have hurt you. You've got to forgive them and release them to God because that bitterness will automatically creep into uh, your future relationships. And so um, I, you guys have heard me say this many, many times. When Tammy and I first got married, I always thought the issue was me. Now, a lot of it was, but it was a crowded room. It's the men in her life, the wounds of her life, all, all of the negative things that happened to her, and not just from men, but from people, from people she trusted, from people she believed in, all of those wounds and hurts show up in the fight. Mm-hmm. And so it feels very unfair, right? It, it doesn't feel fair. And so I got super self-righteous and then would not listen to the wife that I'm called to love rather than trying to meet her there. And a big part of our healing, the Mount Everest of our relationship. So my wife's a six. Mm-hmm. So sixes crave security and safety was making her feel safe and secure. And um, I, I was not good at that at all. And um, I've had to become good at that. And then in that, we were able to deal with those hurts and she's been able to thank God for me, trust me, and we've been able to move forward. But uh, I had to get over myself mm-hmm. and that's hard. So mm-hmm. sorry, I keep looking at you. I don't no, know good. No. I was actually thinking before we move on, would you like to touch my cheeks and say anything nice to me? <laughs> your cheeks are intimidating. Just, just an option. <laughs> okay, I had one other idea and I want to put it in your guys' heads for 2019. Pastor Matt, you dang the bell, or you ring to the bell. You you did that. What if, I danged the bell? Well, I, I that almost sounds like to a cuss word. Yeah, yeah, I didn't mean, I didn't mean children are present. Yeah. <clears throat> Here's what we do. Next time, we, maybe we we get rid of the bell, and then when you want to do that in the new year, you just point at me, and I will sing a little bit. I'll say, "You ding that bell, ding that bell." That was good. Ding yeah. ding. Yeah. We'll, we'll think. I also we'll take did that ding, into ding, ding the bell, so there's no copyright issues. There's no lo- royalties or licenses. It's good. It's fair use. I think it's something to <laughs> consider. Yeah. So this week in Pastor Matt, you wrapped up our thankful series talking about how to, the most important part of becoming a more thankful person is to recognize when we're being critical of others. Right. Um, and so we've got a lot of questions in on just how to deal with it. I just want to say neither one own. of you guys were critical to that idea that I no. had there at all. Yeah, I thought it was great. We're working yeah. on that. Yeah. Good, good job listening and applying to the sermon <laughs> this week. Uh, so Cassidy wrote in and says, my question has to do with the Enneagram and this weekend's message. I'm a one on the Enneagram with a high two and seven, she mentions. And since learning more Maybe about my- Maybe we ring the bell every time we say Enneagram. No. Maybe. Maybe we'll just remove that away from you. Yes. Um, so since learning more about my numbers, a high one, I know I strive to be good, to see good, to make improvements and battle with a voice of a critic inside of me. How do I not become someone who has a constant critical spirit when I naturally battle with a critic inside my heart? Right. So it, for those of you who don't know the Enneagram, the Enneagram, the one is the reformer or the perfectionist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their desire is when healthy is to make things better. Mm-hmm. And when unhealthy, they're just a critic. Mm-hmm. And so, so you just have to know as a one, um, you're always going to struggle with that. That's just the reality. Mm-hmm. This is your battle. Your battle is being everybody's referee and your own worst referee. And so oftentimes, um, the unhealthy one is actually coming from their own negative judgment on themselves. And the only relief they get from being overly critical of themselves is by focusing on others. That's why they're so focused on mm-hmm. others because it's so painful to look at how they're not perfect. So what I would say is um, the first step in to overcoming it is recognizing it. Mm-hmm. 
That's just the first step. So as a three, right, lying is a big part of my life. So I have to watch exaggeration. I have to watch, man, if I go for a run, I tell people I ran 6.2 miles. I never round up. I never do that. I've had to learn to do that because truth telling is a discipline. It's a discipline and you have to just understand yourself. You can't give yourself any room uh, to allow that to creep in. And um, you, you just have to do that. And so, um, and so the reason I lie is I'm afraid of how it will make me look. What is my image? So that's why, you know, like uh, this weekend's message, I talked about my sin in regards to the fire in Malibu because that, that makes me look bad, but that's good for my healthy three mm -hmm. to be more concerned about being right than my image being right. And so you have to step into that. So that's what I would say is we all struggle with a critical spirit. I think our culture is critical. Um, you know, uh, you know, George Bush died and many people are praising him. And, and the truth is, you know, many of the people that are praising him, if he was president, they would be ridiculously critical of him today. That's just our culture. Um, you know, they like him now that he's dead, but when he was alive, you know, um, there, there were, I, I was, I was actually in the army under president, uh, 41, George H. Bush. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was in the army under him and, um, and then under Bill Clinton, but, uh, you know, people were extraordinarily critical of him when he was in leadership. And so, uh, we just have to make sure that we are aware of that and just know that a critical spirit is a demonic spirit and man, it is brutal and it will wreck everything. When you have a critical spirit, you'll hate your job. You'll hate your relationships, your friendships, your church, and ultimately you will hate your life. It will devour everything about you. And just remember, like we talked about this weekend, Satan is your accuser. He is your critical spirit in heaven. So he stands before the throne of God and the Bible says he accuses the brethren. He makes accusations. You're no good. You're, you're this, you're that, you're this, you're that. And so we just have to understand, do I wanna be more like Satan or do I wanna be more like God? You know, I remember one time as a kid, I heard a pastor preach a sermon that Satan never takes a day off, so we shouldn't either. I'm like, well, where is where are we called to, to follow the example of Satan, right? I mean, God took a day off. Mm -hmm. G, he commands a day off. And so we need to learn to rest. And so we have to be really careful about the models that we're following um, so that we can make sure that we look at our lives. And so I just would say, you're not the only one that struggles with this. It's just a major struggle in your life. Whereas with someone else, maybe it's a less of a struggle. Mm -hmm. So I would just look for what are the things that I'm grateful for? And so opportunities like Thanksgiving, whenever you have an opportunity to tell somebody what you're thankful for, um, like if you're a parent, catch your kids doing something right. It's so important that we engage with, I'm, you know, with my son, I'm so proud of you. You did this, you did that, you did that. Like I'm constantly trying to catch him doing things right because he's a teenager. And we tend to focus on a lot of the things that he does wrong because mm -hmm. he does a lot of things wrong. He's learning what it means to be an adult. He's learning what it means to be a Christian. And, and, and those are difficult things. So I just would really, really say, be real with yourself and just accept the fact that you are going to be overly critical. And so when you're looking at, ask yourself, am I being overly critical or is this something that needs to be said? Is this something that I need to point out? So any thoughts from you guys? Yeah, I mean, I, that's one of my main struggles too. I think it's like, I have a lot of one and I have a lot of in, internal critic. And I love that you pointed out earlier, like that bitterness is something we need to focus on too. Cause I think that's where this path can lead. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed that. So even like finding out what am I being critical of? What do I need to just let go and not try to hang on to that? Cause I think that's the path to bitterness yeah. right there is to just keep all those things in your head and being critical and no one realizes. But I love how you talked about, you know, what what do I need to speak up on and what do I need to realize yeah, absolutely. I'm being critical? And it's just, you guys, it's just, it's just easier to see what everybody else is doing wrong. It just, oh, yeah. it just is. I mean, it just is. So when you read the gospels, right, what do the Pharisees constantly point out? What they think Jesus is doing right. So you have to understand 
the, the only perfect human being to ever walk the face of the earth, people found fault in him. Mm-hmm. And so I love what Jesus says. Uh, a lot of people don't know what he means, but he said, I sang a dirge for you and you would not weep. Uh, I forget the other word. We played the, I played the harp for mourn. you and you would not dance. Yeah. So I, I can't remember which one a dirge is. A dir- I can't, That's the, dirge is the funeral one. I think yeah, so, mourn. And so what he's saying is, it doesn't matter what I said, you didn't like it. And so um, that's just how people are. And so think about that. Jesus would preach sermons and people would find fault. You know, people would find fault. So I was talking with um, uh, one of our staff last night from the Lake Arrowhead campus. And I just said, hey, how are we being received up there? And um, I said, just be honest with me. She said, she said, some of the people are saying, you know, we're not biblical. And I was, that's the first thing. What does that even mean? Like all we do is preach the Bible every week. So, right. So people, especially Christians, right. We can find fault with, um, you know, what's happening. And, and I love what she said. She said, we just invite them to come, come check us out for yourself. You know, see, see what we're talking about, see what we're doing and, um, and then judge. And yeah. I know sandals is not for everybody, but it's just amazing. Christians are so critical. <laughs> um, you know, and the reality is in our community, non-Christians have either no opinion of sandals or, you know, a positive one. It's the Christians, especially from other churches. Well, he this and this and that, and you know, and I'm just like, good Lord. Um, you know, I met this pastor who said, uh, and you go to the Palm Avenue campus. He's like, yeah, I don't know how I feel about you guys taking over Palm. I'm like, you don't know how you feel about a church of 30 becoming a church of a thousand in six months. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, well, pray about that. <laughs> like, right. I, it, it blows my mind. You know, I mean, that's like a Lakers fan. I don't know how I feel about the Lakers winning a championship. It's like, get over yourself, man. I mean, it, it blows my mind how Christians are co- are constantly concerned about success. It's like, man, that church was going to die. I mean, what did you want that building to be a mosque? Cause that's, that's what religious facilities turn into, mm-hmm. you know, churches, you know, Palm would have become houses. It would have become, you know, uh, something, but it, it, it wouldn't have been a church because eventually, right, there's not enough dollars. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what happens. And it's happening to churches all over Southern California um, because they're critical of what God is doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, years and years ago, I read a book called uh, Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. And one of the things he said is, don't ask God to bless what you're doing, join what God is doing mm-hmm. and go there. And man, that, that's what I think Palm Avenue did. And look what God has done. It's, it's just incredible. Yeah. So just know we're all we're all prone to criticism. Um, listen to your heart. I try to listen very intently to what I'm saying because man, I get negative quickly. Yeah. And usually that's a sign of what's what, what am I allowing in my life? Uh, and nowadays, right, that's politics. Politics sours the attitude quicker than anything. Uh, it's music, it's television, it's the things that I'm giving myself to. And, and usually what that means is I'm not spending enough time in word, in the word, I'm not praying enough. And I'm not listening to worship music enough. I mean, that's just the reality. So, do you want to talk about the difference between being critical or simply just having good judgment? Yeah. So, and again, um, judgment is saying that's not right, but still loving the person. Critical spirit is that's a bad person. So, you, uh, judgment is I disagree with the behavior, I disagree with the decision, I disagree with the choice. A critical spirit is sandals is no good, Matt Brown is no good. Mm-hmm. Judgment is why well, don't I don't agree with the way they they do things. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's judgment. And so you can disagree on um, the way somebody does. Like I disagree all the time with the way people parent, but I'm not critical of them as a, as a person. I'm like, I, I just don't agree with that. I don't mm-hmm. agree with the choice that you make or the decisions you make or what, what you allow your kids to do or not do. I mean, that's just the, the, the reality. And I disagree passionately about most of the way my relatives parent, but I'm not critical of them. Mm-hmm. I just disagree. And I, and I think, 
Judgment, what the kind of judgment we need to have is wisdom. And so that's what it means is, is this right? Is this what I need to do? Um, you know, is this good, right, and true? A critical spirit is, you're terrible, you're awful, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, I, and I just dismiss you. And, and that's not good. And so even with our enemies, right, we, we are critical of our enemies, but we need to listen to what they have to say because they might be saying something that we're missing about ourselves. And I think that's why Jesus says we need to love our enemies because oftentimes they're the only person to speak truth. But so God has called us not to be judgmental, but we are to have judgment. And that's hard for a lot of Christians to discern the difference between the two. Ding yeah. that bell. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so I don't Ding like that, that but I like you. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that was a great example. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for that. Perfect. Yeah. Well, and I think too, like even going back to her question, like for those who have a high one, I think a lot of that can come down to preference too. Sometimes it's not just like wisdom and discernment. It's, oh, you're doing that wrong because it's not the way I would do that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where you can kind of keep a lot of that critical spirit in mind is looking, is this just my preference for how I think things should be? Right. Or is this, you're actually doing this in a way that's bad or harmful? Uh, yeah, I get something easy, country music. Like my wife likes country music, I don't. But I think an unhealthy person in my position would say country music is terrible, awful, and anybody who listens to it is stupid. That's a critical spirit. Mm-hmm. It's just preference. Yeah. I, I I didn't grow up in the country. That's not how I was raised. I don't want my dog back, my car back, my keys back. <laughs> you know, like I, that, that's just that's just not me. Yeah. Um. But I understand that my my wife likes it and enjoys it, and so I've been to a Garth Brooks concert because I love her, and I didn't have a bad attitude, and I wasn't critical, and you know, I enjoy her, and so I love her, and so I want to love the things that she loves, and that's fine. And so from time to time, we listen to country music in the car. When you went to that concert, did you have a barbecue stain on your white T-shirt? No. That's like the one line from country. Yeah. <laughs> that's not Garth Brooks though. Yeah. No, it's somebody else, but I like that one song. Yeah. Yeah. And again, that, that's just what's so important is, is, is we can, we can disagree on things, um, but still appreciate and, and love the person. And again, um, I didn't agree with a lot of things that president George Bush did, but the thing that I loved about him was he was willing to listen. Um, and he valued people that he opposed. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's an important quality um, that we need to remember as, especially as Christians, is we need to value people even which, even that we disagree with, which is what loving your enemy means. Mm. Like Jesus doesn't mean go up and hug your enemy because what's your enemy gonna do? They're gonna kill you. Yeah. You wish them well. You try to understand what they're saying and you, you hope that the fighting can cease. And so you're working towards peace. And so Paul says that in Romans, as far as it depends upon you, be at peace with all people. Uh, it doesn't mean allow your enemies to slaughter you as unfortunately the church many times has understood. It That's terrible. And that's, you know, uh, my roots are Baptist. And that's one of the things that makes Baptists different is we fought mm-hmm. where Quakers would just get killed. So, you know, uh, Baptists were like, we want you to go away, but if you don't, we'll kill you. So mm-hmm. that's just one of the, one of the, the distinctions of Baptists is they, they historically have fought. And that was a huge division. When you go back and you study, um, you know, the uh, Revolutionary War, a lot of Christians felt they could not oppose the king. It was the huge division in the church. There were lots of divisions in the church, not just about slavery, but about, you know, whether or not we could oppose the king. And and like literally denominations split, churches split, families split over that issue because it's hard to figure out what God's calling you to do when everybody's reading the same text. It's hmm. difficult, so... All right, so this next question comes in from Paige, who says, I'm 24 and newly married, and my parents are in the process of getting divorced. I've always been the peace banker of my family, so much so that it was unhealthy for me. 
So how do I be a loving and respectful daughter, even though I disagree with her actions and it's really hurting my heart? Yeah, I think you tell them, which she said she's a nine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which means you're not probably going to do that, but I'm telling you, you should do that. Um, because what you'll do is you'll stuff it and eventually it will affect your marriage. Because here's here's what happens when our parents go through divorce is it makes us wonder about our marriage. Mm-hmm. It just does. Like, are, are we safe? Are we secure? Will our love make it? Um, because um, divorce says vows have no meaning. That's mm-hmm. what it says. It says love can be ripped apart. And so that's why children are so negatively affected. Even adult children are negatively affected when their parents can't work it out because it scares you to death. What's gonna happen to me? What's gonna happen to my marriage? And so what you have to do is speak your truth to them. Uh, Again, be critical of their decision, but don't don't become judgmental of them. You don't don't know everything about your parents' relationship. You don't know everything that's going on. I'm sure if you're a nine, maybe there were some tendencies to be a nine there in your family. And so the truth wasn't discussed. And um, figure that out and say, okay, what can we learn and how can we be different in our marriage? Because Mm -hmm. you're new. And if you're not careful, you slip into the same rhythms that your parents had. Sometimes those rhythms are good, but a lot of times they're bad. And you say, okay, how can, how can we be different? What, what can this look like? And so, um, so we can make it, Mm -hmm. so we can make it. Um, and, And so that's just what I would say. Divorce is a terrible thing. It's the tearing apart of souls. It's just brutal. And um, so on the one hand, I think you tell your parents how it makes you feel, but the other hand, it's gotta be destroying them and hurting them. I don't know if Mm -hmm. they both want it or just one person wants it. Um, You know, you have to use discernment because sometimes it's really only one spouse that wants it. And oftentimes there's somebody else already. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's just really, really painful. And it's just really, really tough. And and kids oftentimes are forced into a position where they feel like they have to Mm -hmm. choose. And it just it just screws everything up. Now Christmas is weird. Thanksgiving is weird. It's just, that's just what it is. And so um, I try to live in such a way that I don't just think about myself, but I think about my kids. I think about my wife. Um, and, I, and I try to live, you know, so the golden rule, which we haven't talked about is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And so I, I just don't ever want to hurt Tammy that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's been a guiding force. And so that's where I think adultery comes from, right? I think about myself, my own needs, my own wants, my own desires. And so and it always amazes me that people are more afraid to tell their spouse about their desires. You know, th- they, would, they would rather not do that than destroy the marriage. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna go, I'm, instead of talking about my sexual needs that aren't being met in our marriage, I'm gonna go and have them met somewhere else that ultimately will destroy my marriage. That, that, this is just bizarre to me. Mm-hmm. You know, be willing, love rejoices when the truth wins out. That's what 1 Corinthians 13 says. So have those tough conversations and, and talk about that. You know, wives, incur, you, know, be, you know, be ready for this conversation, but you know, how, how could I better meet uh, your sexual needs and desires? And what does that look like? And you're not a slave. So you don't have to do whatever they do, especially if they've been watching whacked out stuff. But you know, how how can we meet each other in the middle? What does what does that look like? And um, you know, how how can I how can I better love you? And and wives, you know, you need to be prepared. Uh, a lot of wives don't understand how important you know sex is to their um, husbands, and and and, a, and and sometimes it's the other way. You know, wives or husbands don't understand how important it is to their wives. And so literally, how can, how can I love you uh, emotionally, spiritually, and physically? And what does that look like? How can I come alongside you? And if that's your goal, you're gonna have a very, very healthy marriage and avoid um, 
a lot of the divorce that we see. I've been married 23 years um, this year, and I, I I like my marriage better now than I've ever liked. So 23 has been better than 22, than 21, and then 20. And Tammy and I are getting older. We're, we're not we're not able to do many of the things that we used to do. And so we just uh, hiked, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, half a, Halfway up Half Dome. Mm-hmm. And the last time we did it was 18 years ago. And I was like, this is different. <laughs> this is this is different. I mean, almost 20 years have gone by and we're not able to do physically what we could do. George and Barbara Bush were married for 73 years. That's 50 yeah. more years than you do that. That's insane. Can you imagine that? Yeah, and you know, he was, man, he was a loyal dude. He was faithful um, to the end. So um, so Paige, yeah. she is not around her parents very often, but Courtney wrote in says, yeah. uh, how do we deal with family members who are toxic that we can't directly avoid? Yeah, so toxicity... Here's the thing is, is I, I, I would be, I would cautious against you deciding on your own that they're to- toxic. You need to pull people in. This is why community group is so important. It, you need to have other people, you know, that are around you. Uh, we, we have a toxic family member in our family and, and we, I've just decided that I use the word they're unpleasant and they just are unpleasant. And my heart actually breaks for that family member because I think they're in a lot of pain. There's a lot of hurt there. But there's no there's no way to talk to this person. This mm-hmm. person is, you know, you might as well talk to a wall. And so we've had to, we are not able to eliminate contact with this person. So we minimize it. We make it short um, and we, we have to navigate it. And and that's just the reality. That's the decision that we've made. They're, they're not evil. So, and they're not, you know, they're not abusive or they're just not, they're unpleasant and, and toxic. And that's just where they are. So you have to, I, I would draw a line. Are they evil or are they toxic? So a toxic person is just poisonous. So, so if you can be around them and not drink it, that's fine. An evil person is someone that is proactively wounding you. So our family member is not doing that. He's not He's not trying to hurt us. He just is toxic. Does that make mm-hmm. a difference? Mm-hmm. It, just, it just leaks out of him. So that's why we've decided to stay in relationship minimally, very, very minimally. Um, Evil people you have to avoid. So an evil person is someone that's plotting, trying to hurt you, intentionally saying things to divide you. Um, so like a toxic mother-in-law talks about how bad their life is. An evil mother-in-law talks about how you could have married better. You, you know, you, you know, you don't have to stay married. You know, like that, a divisive person is evil. Mm-hmm. A toxic person is just is, is just poison. So you, and so you have to look at that. So toxic people you minimize, and, and, and you just talk about okay, so. What can we do? We know what this person is going to do. Mm-hmm. We know what's going to happen. Um, how can we have the event so that our exposure to this poison is minimal? Now, if they shift and they become evil, then you then you have to you have to say, nope, we're done. You're, we're not engaging. We're we're not going to be a part of this. And so uh, I, I realize that that how do you that, know when they shift and become evil? Again, when they start laughing really. Evil is <laughs> it, yeah. No, yeah. evil is proactive intent. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, like, so if I'm poisonous, that's not going to impact you. But if I make you drink it, that's evil. Mm-hmm. So if I sit down, um, so an evil person seeks to destroy the event. Mm-hmm. A toxic person, a, a toxic is, person is just not pleasant. Yeah. You know, um, you know, like evil people try to subvert things. They try to divide things. They, they, they're, they're, they, they rejoice in pain and suffering for others. So that that's what you have to look at. So mm-hmm. like a toxic person has a bad attitude. An evil person says, you know, I, I just think Tammy doesn't hear you. She doesn't, you know, like she he would constantly be trying to get me to be critical of my kids, my family, my friends, myself. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're 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 tr- they're trying to get you to become poisonous and you to become bitter, and you have to you have to be aware of that. And so again, evil is is proactive; it's coming at you. Toxicity is just this nasty lake that you can choose to jump in or not. Yeah. So, and that's what I would say is with our family member, it's on us when we choose to participate in in their toxicity and yeah. in, in their poison. That that's on us. Well, we we knew that's where they are. Um, but we're still called to honor them because they have, you know, prestige in our family. We have to honor them, but we don't, we don't engage with that. Mm-hmm. Um, if at some point in time they become disruptive to the family unit and they start attacking the family unit, then, you know, we, we okay, we're done. Mm-hmm. We're done. And so that, again, I, I don't know that I've been clear enough, but, but let me say again, evil is active. Mm-hmm. It is actively trying to separate, divide, cause doubt and destroy relationships. Um, so for example, we had, um, we had friendship with, um, um, some friends where the relationship was a little toxic and then it shifted to evil. And here's how it shifted. Uh, one of the friends was speaking to my children saying, don't trust, don't believe, don't follow. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, we're done Mm -hmm. because evil was usurping my authority as the pastor, as the husband and as the father. And it was literally saying, it was the snake, don't trust him, trust me. And so we had to have a meeting and we had a meeting and I said, you will not be around my family anymore. You are not allowed. And they didn't like that, but evil people usually don't. So toxicity is fine. Evil is don't listen to your dad. Don't trust your dad. Don't follow your dad. Don't like, nope. You know, and so, um, I mean, we can be around stupid people, but if they start telling my kids to be stupid, no. Yeah. I think that gets back to your earlier point that not having a critical spirit means looking for like, okay, where is this person just being toxic and rather like, where do we need to just limit this? But they're not an overall bad person. Right. Where I think that's where we can kind of rope things up. This person's toxic. They're bad. They need to go. And so I think that's even going back to what you said in the beginning, like, well, what, okay, these are things they do that I don't like, but I still wish this person well. I still value this person as a person. Yeah. And and so I think it's important for my kids to see their mom and I love difficult people. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that's not easy, right? It's easy. So what is it, what does it mean to be a Christian? It doesn't just mean that we love the people that we love mm-hmm. or that we like, it means we love difficult people. And so how do we sit in relationship? And that makes things somewhat uncomfortable and, um, and that's fine. But as long as they're just simply toxic or uncomfortable or, um, you know, like, I think like Christmas vacation, it's one of my favorite movies. We'll watch it here in the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, both sets <clears throat> of grandparents are toxic. You know, they're not evil. Mm-hmm. They're just bitter and old and grumpy. And, and it's funny mm-hmm. um, that it's just funny. And that's how some people age, but your kids need to see that it's important um, because I might get old and grumpy and I want my kids to still honor me and love me. And so it's important that might. we, hmm? yeah. <laughs> Thank I'm just you. being, just being toxic over here. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, that's just a thing. Um, so, Right. It's good. Okay. But I mean, we've seen at work, you guys have been at work, you know, when people are upset at work and it's it's okay to be upset. It's okay to, you know, or or maybe they're going through something at home Mm -hmm. and we've experienced toxic people, but when they start causing division, Mm -hmm. that's when we have to step in and go, okay, now this is a problem. Um, And, and, and toxic people at some point, right. They can take a turn. Mm -hmm. They can take, because toxicity can cloud your judgment. It can cloud your character. It can cloud your moral compass. And pretty soon you see everybody as evil. Mm So, did yeah. you watch Schoolhouse Rock growing up as a kid? Schoolhouse Rock. Yeah. You, it, every time you say it in my head, 
I'm going toxicity. Yeah, toxicity. Oh, so let's close out here with a wonderful, helpful note for people. Uh, instead of just talking about fighting against criticism, here's the deal. You, you talked about how we need to take an eye, be very careful about what is we're allowing to pour into our lives. So as we avoid negative things, what do you think are some good things that we need to be pursuing, maybe even as we come to the end of the year? What are your tips? Well, okay, I'm going to start off negative, and then I'll get positive. Okay, so, here we go. So I had somebody recommend a TV show for me on um, – on Netflix and I started watching it and it's, it's not for me. So I struggled with pornography, um, probably from like seventh grade, um, you know, really through college pretty, pretty heavily. And so that's a part of my darkness and a part of my past that I don't, um, I almost consider it like alcohol, an alcoholic, you know, uh, an alcoholic, I'm not an alcoholic. So from time to time I'll have a beer or I'll have uh, a glass of wine. It's not a temptation for me. I, I, I do not, wrestle with excess or want to, it, it's just not, I'm just never going to be a person uh, like marijuana is, is not appealing. Being numb and out of control is not appealing. Like when I have surgery, you guys know I've had a thousand surgeries. As soon as I can quit taking pain medication, I do. I hate mm -hmm. the way it makes me feel. I, I don't, I don't like it at all. Some people really like that. I, I really liked, I really liked porn. I really, really liked it. And I don't want to give that any, kind of catch in my life. And I, I just I just don't ever want to go there again. And so I have to be really, really careful about sexual content. That's just, even reading about it, I have to be very, very careful, uh, which is difficult because sometimes I have to read about sexual content for uh, my job and just to be aware and, and to lead our church. And so um, I, I, just, I, just, I just have to watch that. Um, like a couple of years ago, um, you know, especially as the homosexuality issue began to come up, I I you know, I, I had to study what was life like under the Apostle Paul. What what did Greco-Roman life look like in the first century? Um, and man, about halfway through that, I was like, okay, I, I'm you know I'm reading. You're looking at pottery, and it's all porn. I mean, you're like, oh my gosh, I, I've got to really, really watch this stuff because even that man, you, you just got to be careful at how the enemy can draw you in to the apple looking good. And so I was, I just took a break and actually stopped the work that I was working on. Um, so what I would say is, is I need to look at things. I, I am drawn to TV shows that make me want to be a better leader. Mm -hmm. I love watching shows where people wrestle with how to lead people, um, wrestle with the fact that people, not, you know, someone's not all good and someone's not all bad. Some people are, are, are evil um, or more evil, less evil. Like, how do, you, how do you negotiate the human species to lead them well? I love TV shows like that. Mm -hmm. um, I love stuff, you know, about good overcoming evil. That's, that's kind of stuff, you know, inspires me. It wants me to, to be a better person. And, um, you know, it's why I like gladiator, right? He's not a Christian, but he's a good man. Mm -hmm. He's a good man and he's faithful to the end. I love that. And so those things inspire me to be better. And, um, you know, I like to listen to music that, that inspires me to be better. That's why I like this time, you know, Christmas music, there's just really no bad Christmas song, except maybe Baby It's Cold Outside, but I still love that song because that, that dude's all trying to like lure her. Like he's trying to give her another drink. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. Like it's pretty bad. Yeah, you listen to it now and it just gets it's, creepier and creepier like, every time. Yeah, it's like, wow, but I still like that song. Yeah. It, that's a bad song. But um, uh, I, I love Christmas music. Mm -hmm. I love the Christmas spirit and, and enjoying that um, and try, trying to connect, man. And so just look for things that light you up, um, mm -hmm. things that excite you. And um, focus on those things, right? So we, we talked about, we started this series with Philippians 4, 6, and 7. 
you know, um, do not be anxious in anything uh, or don't worry about anything depending upon the translation, but bring all of you, all of your requests to God with prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, uh, and the peace of Christ will, will come. And so, but then in First uh, Corinthians, or excuse me, in Philippians 4, uh, 8 and 9, it says, whatever is good, whatever is honorable, whatever is true, focus on these things. What I would say is just look for those things that make you feel better. Mm-hmm. So like, even for me, so here's the thing I've had to really, really, uh, um, has, it's had to diminish in my life as sports. Mm-hmm. I don't think sports is innately good or bad, but what it brought out in me was not good. <laughs> I was not a better person because of sports. It made me uh, more negative. It made me hard to be around when my team lost. And I don't need to be any more critical or negative. Like I don't need to, I don't know about you guys, but I don't need to grow in that area. So (laughs) I've had to reduce the amount of sports that I watch because of its effect on me. And so that's the thing is something that's maybe not good or evil, but neutral can negatively affect you. And you have to look at Mm -hmm. how is this making me feel? Um, And so you have to, you know, evaluate your career that way. You have to evaluate friendships that way. You have to evaluate, you know, all kinds of things that way because just because something is not bad doesn't mean it's good for you. Mm-hmm. So what I think I heard you saying there was as soon as everyone's done listening or watching to this podcast, they need to tonight watch the movie Elf. Yeah, I like for that some, movie. Yeah, yeah, for some positivity. If you don't like the movie Elf, you're definitely a toxic person and that's evidence of the yeah. toxicity in your life. And I can just tell you this, there's a direct correlation between my time in the word and my attitude. Mm-hmm. thought we were still talking about Elf. No. Okay. So there is. I don't yeah. know about you guys, but if oh, I've not sure. been in the Word, I am not. And what I mean by that is I read my Bible. Um, I read it every day. Um, I try not to miss. Um, today, I, I was rushed a little bit, so I read it. And, and I would encourage Christians to try this as listening to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Good. I read it today, and then I listened to it. Because you got to remember, uh, most people could not read in the ancient world. And so the Scriptures are written not to be read, mm-hmm. but to be heard. Mm. And so that's the way. So like C.S. Lewis, have you guys ever read anything by C.S. Lewis? Oh, yes. yeah. So there's one experience to read his book, but there's another experience to listen to it on oh, tape. Yeah. It's way better to listen to yeah. because most of his books We're are right. from his talk show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I got so, it all of Mere Christianity was yeah. a series of radio. His radio. So it's the, yeah, it's yeah. the spoken word. Oh, yeah. I didn't know this. Yeah, yeah oh. reading. What you guys are telling me right now is that Sitting on the right here at this microphone, I'm basically like the modern day C.S. Lewis. You know, you're no, not, but not. Stephanie is. Okay. Yeah. And I'm, I really misread that I wish, one. Dude. Yeah. So I, I would encourage you to listen to it. Um, you know, some, I don't think the epistles are as are easy because they were, you know, they're letters. They're letters. Mm-hmm. But the stories, man, are written t- to be told and read. And it's just, it's just powerful. Mm. And um, interesting. Yeah. yeah. And if you ever have time, like um, the book of Luke is a great book to listen to all the way through. Mm. Because you know that's how Luke is is writing it because it would be read at a Sabbath service. The you whole know, thing. you know what we should do is like a little Christmas <laughs> gift for the people here at Sandals Church and the debrief listeners. Is since they're we're not going to have any more debrief shows. Maybe we can get Alex from facilities because he's got that beautiful, beautiful voice. Yeah. He does have a great to voice. just read the uh, the book of Luke, and then we could release well, hey, that. Do you have Christmas. the Bible? Yes. So the Bible app, whoever read that, is all, his voice is awesome. Ooh, I'll check that out. Sorry, Alex. Yeah. So it's already done. <laughs> okay. So. Yeah. I mean, not that we can't reinvent the wheel, but if you want to. Yeah, but if you want to get on that right now, it's worth considering. Apps when you're done okay, here. so let's talk about what What do you feel like is good, right, and true in your life that makes you better? What do you go to that makes you a better person? Uh, so Certain worship music, like stuff that's, yeah, there are some songs that I go to. Mm-hmm. Like I have a curated, a playlist of curated worship songs that mm-hmm. when I need to get positive, mm-hmm. I listen to those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff that's like, yeah. Yeah. I one. love listening to a book, a good mm-hmm. book. Yeah. Um, how about you? 
Yeah, I think like definitely putting together like good playlists and things that make me think. I'm really good at tuning stuff out really quickly. So if I'm not paying attention, but stuff that has good lyrics. So yeah, finding good music that tells a story or something like that. I remember making like a specific playlist just for like when we were in the newborn days with Ruth that I was like, I need to listen to something that reminds me that God is bigger than me while yeah. I'm, I'm scared of going to bed tonight because I'm going to get woken up a million times. So things like that. Or just having deep talks about like how God works. Like I love like times that Tyler and I just drive and we just start diving into like, oh my gosh, did you think about this? Did you think about this? And like, lets my brain sort of go to like, oh yeah, I didn't even think about like, this is how God works. This is how this is. Mm-hmm. And just really deep conversation that lets it like our minds kind of wander on like really good things. Mm-hmm. So, cause yeah, I noticed like the second we get into like, oh man, I can't believe this person did this thing. Like then I feel like awful and it just ruins the yeah. direction things. So we think about like bigger concepts and mm-hmm. like, I want to say philosophical things that sound, makes us sound smarter than we are. But like, I love thinking about just deep things of how the world works and how God works. Mm-hmm. Like that's enjoyable for me. Yeah. yeah reading is another one too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, like, so like just uh, something that makes me better is surfing, but here's the key as a three, no matter what I do, it has to be in moderation mm-hmm. because I, it, I don't care what it is. My unhealthy three, I want to become the very best at it and destroy everyone else. That's, mm-hmm. that's the devil in me. Like I want to, I, like I automatically go to that. And so that's my problem with like triathlons is it's just consuming. Yeah. And so it becomes unhealthy. So, mm-hmm. so think about that. Something that's healthy exercise becomes unhealthy because it controls me. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that should control me is the Holy Spirit. So I like surfing in moderation um, that's something that's that's really great for me as long as I am not overly critical mm-hmm. of how I surfed, but I just enjoy the day. Same yeah. thing with snowboarding. Um, I lo- man, I love a, a great date with my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, I man, Okay, I'm weird. Mm-hmm. Sorry, now I'm thinking about charcuterie boards. Yeah, here's the thing. I like a quiet restaurant, which is hard to find. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got you. you. You have one? After the show. Okay, you can say it on the show. No, they didn't They didn't sponsor us like okay. our friends at Gateway Seminary. Yeah. Yeah, we love Gateway. I, I, mm-hmm. I. Here's the thing: I can't. My unhealthy critic. I can't stand how loud restaurants are now. Oh yeah. Like I well, love to be able to talk and listen. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because I'll get super distracted too. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's funny because I'm a nine, so I'm not three. For what's best for me is just getting out and doing the thing. Mm-hmm. So like actually saying like, oh yeah, like I'm gonna go for a walk and then actually doing it because I'll be like, oh, I'll just like sit and relax. That's fine. Oh, walking. But actually getting out and walking and being outside and doing something mm-hmm. is really good for me. But I, I have to, like, I don't know if this counts it. as spiritual, but or, or uplifting, good, right, and true stuff. But I really enjoy riding those bird electric scooters around town. Doing a lot of that lately. <laughs> do you do that all please, the time? Please wear a helmet. I would. Yeah, yes, I don't own a helmet, but I only ride them around in my neighborhood. So I'm not being critical, but I am I giving being wisdom and judgment. It's true. Judgment. It's very fun. Yeah, a lot of people are dying on those things. I don't, really? listen, yes. I, don't, I don't watch that kind of news. Yeah. I watch people doing tricks on them. Oh, see, yeah. that's where you're... Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what? In, this, in the, just the spirit of doing things in moderation, maybe right here is where we end the show. Mm-hmm. We end the year. We yeah. say thanks for tuning in. Yeah. Thanks to the Gateway for closing out the year. Yeah. Head on over to our website, debrief.show slash 127 mm-hmm. for some show notes, some yeah. delicious information. Oh, we're at 128. 128, yeah. excuse me, 128. My apologies. That's- uh, good stuff right there. Yeah, love you guys. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys, uh, do you think C.S. Lewis knew how to ding that bell? No. Ding that bell. 